Hello everyone. My name is Stephen Hoffman and I am a proud Luritja and Warra man who was born and raised on Larrakia country. I have strong ties to the Larrakia land and the Larrakia people. On behalf of the Back Row podcast, I want to acknowledge the true custodians of the land in which this podcast has been recorded on both the Rawadiri country in Nam and the Larrakia country in Garamilla. And I would like to pay my respects to both elders past, present and emerging, for they hold the memories, knowledge and traditions of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. Welcome to The Back Row, the podcast for Australia's youth, where we explore education beyond the classroom and dive into the life lessons that matter most. As always, you are joined by teachers and facilitators, Amanda, that's me, and Sky, and we are here for Australia's youth. Here at The Back Row, we believe that education goes far beyond the four walls of a classroom and that every young person deserves the chance to reach their full potential. Each week, we'll bring you stories to help navigate the challenges of growing up and to make the most of your unique skills and abilities. This week, Amanda, we are going to be talking about all things self-care. As a teenager, life can be full of stress, pressures and responsibilities, and it's really easy to neglect our own well-being in the midst of it all. In this podcast episode, we're going to explore various aspects of our self-care, including mental and physical health, mindfulness, relationships, and a whole lot more. So wherever you're listening, this is The Back Row. One, two, three, four. (laughs) So Amanda, as always, let's start with our sweet and sour segment. And I went first last week, so it's only fair that it's your turn this week. What's your sweet and sour for the week? Ooh, well, I would have to say that my sweet is I have a few days at home. I'm here in Darwin, which is brilliant. My sour would probably be my partner and my dog live out in Arnhem Land at the moment and I won't be able to see them on this visit, but I will see them next time. So that's okay. No, <laughs> I hope you get to see them soon as well. Um, my sweet and sour, same as last week, maybe it's going to become a trend with me. It's kind of two rolled into one. So I'm going to start with my sour first. My sour is, is that I got the most horrific grass stain on one of my favorite shirts like on their elbows and could not get it out no matter what I did. Um, But my sweet is, is that I picked up a similar shirt. Like they're so similar. It's ridiculous from the op shop for $6. So it's a sweet and sour rolled into one. Oh, gotta (laughs) love op shops. Gotta love an op shop. So Amanda, our goal every week is to provide our listeners with some tools that they might need to kind of help cultivate a healthy and balanced lifestyle. And so that we can focus on feeling our best and thriving thrive during this really exciting but sometimes really challenging time of life and this week that means talking all things self-care. But before we get in why don't we take a quick look at the definition of self-care because I feel like it gets plugged a lot in life but what does it actually mean and so we would define it as the ability to care for yourself through awareness, self-control, self-reliance and taking little actions to achieve or maintain or promote optimal health and well-being. There is a lot to unpack in there, Amanda. 
<laughs> totally. But it makes sense when you break it down to why self-care is so important and should be a focus of ours. It's definitely something to invest our time and energy into. I could not agree with you more. It's all about being in tune with ourselves and recognizing when we might need to give ourselves a little love and make sure our overall health and well-being is prioritized. I said it last week and I'll say it again, you can't give from an empty bucket. So it's so important that we spend time doing self-care to fill our buckets up. Oh, just that is so true. And yet, funnily enough, I know for both of us, so often when life gets stressful, when we're overwhelmed and busy, the first thing we tend to cut from our day to day is those acts of self-care, the little moments of prioritizing ourselves, which of course perpetuates the stress and overwhelm because our bucket is just emptying and emptying and we're not taking the time to replenish it. Right. And then in those moments when life does feel really full, like these are really the ones where we should be prioritizing and creating space for self-care. Absolutely. Because the place we find ourselves in, if we're not making the space and taking the time for self-care while we're giving and giving and doing and giving is a little not so friendly friend called burnout. This looks like being exhausted, getting sick and losing track of our routines because we're not coping with life. Oh, burnout. You old, old friend, how we know you so well. (laughs) Amanda, I know that you and I have been trying to find balance for years around doing all things, life things, and looking after ourselves amongst all of that. And we've learned the hard way that self-care isn't just a nice thing to do, but it's actually a necessity for our health and our well-being. Exactly right. So what does self-care actually look like for you, Skye? That's a great question. This is something I'm actually not that good at myself, and I have to really consciously make time for self-care and literally put it in my calendar. Otherwise, there is no hope of it happening. I will always prioritize the other things on my to-do list, even if, if I thought logically about it, those other things could definitely wait and my priority should be (laughs) self-care. Well, that's really great, Skye, but you didn't really answer the question. So let me ask it again. When do you make time for your self-care and how does it look for you? (laughs) Well played. Um, (laughs) Maybe (laughs) I'll just keep keep avoiding these questions. I'll answer your question with another question. No, I won't. I'll answer this one. So another example of me avoiding self-care, I suppose. (laughs) Um, It turns out that maybe I'll be learning a lot from this episode as we work it out together. So self-care for me, they're the moments when I'm able to kind of connect with myself or reconnect with myself and my body and my feelings and my thoughts and kind of prioritize rest, which is something I don't do that often and really need to work on. And for me, when I do do that, it looks like reading a book, maybe having some time away from technology, going to the gym, which is something I actually do do consistently. And I'll mention that a little bit later, Um, walking my dog pickles um, or planning day trips to get out of the city and spend time recharging in nature. For me, there is just something about being in nature that really shifts my perspective. It grounds me and it fills up my bucket. Mm. And this is something I'm working towards prioritizing more this year. So Amanda, what about you? I happen to know that you are a bit of a self-care queen (laughs) and I have so much to learn from you in this department. 
Oh, yes. Well, as it happens, I haven't always been a self-care queen. Developing my self-care has been a very long journey for me and one that's been super essential as I sort of found out the hard way. So when I was in year 10, I was super committed to my schooling, to my sports. I was working so hard. I was burning the candle at both ends. And throughout that, I was feeling myself becoming more and more depleted all the while ignoring those signals of my bucket emptying and emptying because I felt like, you know, nothing could give, that I couldn't let anyone down, I couldn't let teams down, that I had no idea how to release the pressure I was placing on myself. And this whole journey landed me right in the middle of a six-month bout of glandular fever, which was followed by glandular fever's good friend, chronic fatigue, and that actually led to me struggling with depression. So the irony here is that once I went down with these illnesses, I was literally unable to participate in school or sport or my social life. It was honestly one of the most confronting periods of time of my whole life. That sounds so, so, so rough. And it must have been a really challenging time for you and for your family as well. And I know that while not every person experiences or understands maybe that level of burnout, I think it's really important to know that when you don't prioritize self-care, it can lead to your body being forced to tell you to slow down. I think it's a great reminder about why we're actually looking at this topic today, because self-care is essential to us being able to be our best selves and being able to show up in a world in the way that we want to and to kind of make the most of the opportunities that are thrown our way. We can't do that if we're sick and we're burnt out. Mm. So, Amanda, what did you learn from this experience and, and what's changed for you now as a result of it? So many learnings and so many changes. The biggest learning is probably exactly what you just touched on. Our bodies are the most intricate and intelligent systems on the planet. And they know what we need so much better than what we realize. If we don't listen and respond to the signs of getting run down and burnt out, they will cut in. They will give us no choice. They will make us rejuvenate, slow down and recharge. And so often this does look like falling ill or needing some time in bed. So what's changed for me since all those years ago is I do my absolute best to listen to those nudges from my body of feeling run down and respond much faster. When I'm super on top of things and when my routine is super in place, it looks like including daily self-care practices so I don't even get those nudges in the first place. There's such a flow and effect. Hey, like when I'm listening to you, all I'm thinking is like when one thing's out of whack, it's like this domino effect and then everything gets impacted around us, which I guess is why looking after ourselves and putting that care first is really a non-negotiable. And I guess the hard part about this, and I'm thinking about our listeners here as well, is time. Like I know I am someone who has a lot of projects and things on the go. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it does feel like self-care kind of slips to the bottom of my list and it actually often misses out. Oh, this is such a terrific point because it's so funny. Self-care doesn't actually need to be hours and hours of face masks or cucumber slices over our eyes. It doesn't have to be a three 
three-day weekend at a fancy resort or a $500 spa day, you know? (laughs) Although all of that does sound incredible. Mm. I mean, throw in a massage and I am sold on that kind of (laughs) self-care. Yeah, and while it would be amazing if we had the money and the resources and the time, it's not always practical for those reasons. In fact, having the idea in our minds that self-care has to be one of those elaborate moves that we see in like TV shows and films is so often why we put it at the bottom of our list because it doesn't seem possible. It's so healthy to flip it and see all the ways we can prioritise our self-care in those little moments. Now, that is something I'm intrigued about. So tell me more. These little moments actually sound like the kind of thing I would have time for. (laughs) Yeah, knowing your life and your commitments, the little moments are definitely where it's at for you and for so many of us. For sure. So where might these little moments actually be found in our day to day and what could self-care look like? I mean, I do have a few ideas. Of course. Well, first of all, let's just take it right back to basics. The simplest forms of self-care don't only happen in the little moments, but they're actually completely free. They're things we can just make happen ourselves. Things like movement and eating well, mindfulness, sleep, technology breaks, outdoors time, connection and creativity. This is a list of my favourite self-care acts that are completely free and can happen in the little moments. I love all of these and it's such a great reminder that self-care can literally take place as we're going about our normal day-to-day. They're just things that we need to be conscious of doing, right? Absolutely. So true. So how about, got a bit of a plan, how about we take this list of things that you've just rattled off and let's break some of these down for our listeners and for me. (laughs) How about we go one for one? I love it. Let's do it. Why don't you start? All right, I'll go first. So first up, we have movement and eating well. So this is something that I actually do really well. I'm realizing as you're rattling these off that maybe my self-care is a little bit better than what I originally thought. Um, So prioritizing moving my body is actually a non-negotiable for me. I carve out time in the morning and I do this by getting up 30 or 45 minutes earlier to head to the gym or go for a walk or a run. This sets me up for the day and we all know what the science is behind it. We get better brain health, stronger bones and muscles and reduced risk of disease. And that all sounds like a bit of a self-care no-brainer to me. We can also introduce self-care into our day-to-day just by being kind to our bodies and fueling them with food that will keep us full and give us energy for sustained periods of time. Now, you and I are not dietitians, Amanda, or experts at all in this field. But what we do know is that eating nutritious foods that give long-lasting energy is really, really important for our bodies to feel their best and to work their best. Love. So true. And that food piece, I just feel so sluggish when I'm not eating for my body and not eating for true energy. So I love that so much. Oh, I feel you. Like, don't get me wrong. Love a like a roll of chocolate Mm. here and there. But I also know the energy I get from eating something like a piece of fruit is going to fill me up for longer and give me energy my body can use for a longer period of time. Feels. So next up, we had mindfulness. This is kind of an overarching topic that encompasses so many strategies for self-care. 
Essentially, practicing mindfulness is engaging in any activity that supports you to be in the present moment. So paying attention to your thoughts and feelings. I know we chat about the power of the present moment, Sky, and the fact that so often our mind pulls us away from that moment. In fact, I'm reading a great book at the moment called The Genius Zone, which is all about tapping into your unique skills. The author talks about being in the present moment as the key to happiness. He states that so, so often unhappiness and stress occurs when we are fixating or analyzing or worrying about something that's happened in the past or something that might happen in the future, which both takes us out of the present moment and creates stress. I know for Sky and I, this is something that we both can find ourselves in and I feel like our listeners will relate. So practicing mindful strategies like deep breathing, journaling or meditation brings our focus to the present moment where we can feel our feelings, notice our thoughts and fill our bucket. I'm a huge fan of mindfulness practices. For me, they bring so much happiness. Our listeners might implement this through simply noticing and slowing down their breathing for a couple of minutes or simply downloading their thoughts into a journal. It can be something as basic as that that brings us back to the present moment. Now, I'm a big fan of sleep, Amanda. I am often called the nana of the group with my early bedtimes and I always wake up with a bunch of notifications on my phone because I actually put my phone on do not disturb or sleep mode about an hour before bed and this just gives my brain some time to wind down and make sure that I make the most out of my sleep. In fact, if sleep was a competition, I would absolutely win. Mm -hmm. (laughs) A good night's sleep is so crucial for our overall health and for our listeners and for us, that looks like getting eight to nine hours of quality sleep a night. You know that saying, snooze, you lose. Mm. Well, I reckon that that saying should be swapped when we're talking about self-care because snooze and you absolutely win. You win all the benefits that come with sleep, like improved concentration, better energy levels, reduced risk of getting sick. And that's just to name a few. There are so many benefits to a really good night's sleep. And for those listeners that might want to work on this, something that I would recommend that's really hard to implement at the start, but you get used to it really quickly, is sleeping with your phone somewhere else in the room so that when your alarm goes off, you have to physically get up to look at it. Or if you hear a notification, which I recommend do not disturb mode, but you would have to physically get up to look at your phone. So when you do this, it's just a really great way to get yourself going in the morning as well. Um, It's that much harder to hit that snooze button when you're already up and at them. So you could also try putting it in like the kitchen bench or a different room if you know that you can't trust yourself to follow through with no technology and your bedroom. Mm, I am such a sleep fan myself. So restorative for our minds and bodies. And speaking of restorative, let's touch on taking breaks from technology. So technology, what an incredibly empowering presence it has in our lives. We are living in the age of information. Anything we want to know is available at our fingertips, which is incredible and can also be wildly overstimulating. I was watching a reel the other day on Instagram, speaking of technology breaks. (laughs) (laughs) Not so on brand there, Amanda. (laughs) But pretty symbolic of the age of information. 
The Reel stated that today the average human comes into contact with more information and stimulation than what their human counterpart from 100 years ago would have come into contact with in a lifetime. That is actually an insane statistic to think about. I know. So I did some Googling to see if it was accurate, more on brand moves with tech breaks. (laughs) And essentially, it's on average, that's correct. Between the volume, the detail and the mix of information and stimulation we connect with daily, we're receiving a lifetime's dose of info. It's wild. Wow. It's no wonder that life can feel just so overstimulating sometimes. Exactly. So I feel like this just increases the benefit and the power of taking tech breaks. And They're pretty simple. They just allow our bodies and minds to calm from that level of stimulation and simply to relax. I personally do this by taking about a 10-minute break from my phone, my computer, my TV, where I just look around. I notice how I'm feeling. I be super present with my environment and myself. It's so calming. Highly recommend. Love it. Hey, Amanda, why do trees have so many friends? (laughs) I don't know, Sky. Why do they? <laughs> because they'll always go out on a limb for them. Oh, my God. Dad jokes <laughs> in the house, everyone. <laughs> but seriously, spending time in nature is going out on a limb for yourself. And it's a really small way that you can prioritize you and self-care. So being outside can boost our mood, increase our sense of happiness. And did you know that exposure to natural sunlight can help actually regulate our circadian rhythms, which improves our sleep quality? Which, coming from me, remember, the sleep expert over here. (laughs) And finally, when we spend time outside, it can give us a sense of connection to the world around us, which helps us feel more grounded and centered. It basically helps us relax and it reduces our stress levels. And who doesn't want that? I don't want that. I need that. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda, have we got any more to talk about? Yes, I think we've got two points left. So connection and creativity. Let's chat connection first. Social connection is such a nurturing and innate human need. On a primal level, we are social beings who understand the world not only through our own experiences, but through connecting to other people. I feel like this one can be practiced through something as simple as active listening. In person, this just looks like really listening to the people that surround us and having a crew that returns that respect. It feels so special to have others really hear you and to offer that in return. We feel so seen. We Mm. feel so supported Mm. when that happens. Sometimes social connection isn't spoken at all as well. It can be through simply taking quality time, which is just hanging out in the same space or doing something with someone else. Bringing some genuine connection into each day is a game changer. I love connection. It's also one of my highest values. So it's something that I really like to prioritize in my well-being routine. Mm. Um, so finally, our last one for today is creativity. And this is such a fun and easy way 
way to practice self-care. My good friend Tari, who you know as well, Amanda, mm-hmm. is someone who I look up to so much in this area. She practices things that are fun and meaningful for her as forms of creative expression. So in the time I've known her, she's tried her hand at pottery, which she's actually really good at, <laughs> yoga, journaling, and she even once got into like writing inspirational quotes with these weird little drawings that were super colorful. And I know that she does a bunch of these still in her day-to-day life. She's one of the most creative people I know, and this is something she prioritizes because it fills up her bucket, which I just love. Um, so if our listeners might not consider themselves necessarily creative, even taking things like taking five minutes to just daydream, to stare out the window and watch the world go by, let your imagination run wild, or doodling in a book, just simple little ways to engage with creativity that could be really, really fun. Oh, wow. What a list. And we've made it. They are our self-care practices that we both try to engage in and we so encourage our listeners. They honestly make such a difference. So to recap them, it was movement and eating well, mindfulness, sleep, technology breaks, outdoors time, connection and creativity. Love, love, love it. So, so much learning today and so many things to start implementing bit by bit. Yes. And also we don't have to go large. We can go small. We can go simple. Take one thing, give it a go. If there's one thing our listeners take away from this episode, it's that self-care doesn't have to be bougie resorts and facials. It can be small actions we take to look after ourselves and prioritize our well-being. Fill up that bucket, friends, with the things that feel good for for you. And I think that's all we have time for. Have a great week, friends. Bye. Bye.